Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Get Your Goat podcast. Your host, Josh, here, and there is a ton, a ton of to get into. Uh, going through yesterday's NFL matchups, recapping those, what happened, previewing Monday Night Football tonight, the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans, Nets and the Bucks tomorrow, Warriors, Lakers, NBA tip off is upon us. I'm going to dive into those games, give you my top five NBA teams heading into the season and MVP prediction for the NBA in my finals uh, prediction as well. I'm also going to get into some college football, the action that happened over the weekend, my reaction to the AP poll and give you my top five teams in college football. Then I'm going to go into some baseball, the surprising 2-0 lead that the Atlanta Braves have on the Los Angeles Dodgers. And then the college basketball preseason poll came out today as well, and I will be reacting to that. So a lot to get into. I'm going to start by previewing tonight's Monday night football game between the Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills. Now, Buffalo... Big win uh, last week against the Kansas City Chiefs. Their defense looked good. Offense looked good. They were firing on all cylinders. Made the Chiefs look helpless. However, to me, they're facing a different monster in Tennessee than the one they faced last week. Now, Bills are this two-game stretch for them, they said, are like a revenge uh, tour to them last week was the Chiefs, who they lost to in the AFC Championship game last Sunday. Tonight is the Bills, and if we remember, I believe it was last year's Monday night game. I believe it was actually a Tuesday night, but it was supposed to be a Monday night, but with uh, the COVID outbreak, it was forced to a Tuesday. And Derrick Henry ran wild. The infamous uh, stiff arm to Josh Norman that has been played on repeat, uh, literally sent him flying through the air. Derrick Henry is on a tear after a rough first outing. Uh, He has had 100 yards in the past four games. He has been uh, brilliant, and he's looking to do that. Not many teams have stopped him. They haven't stopped him. And now, this defense is improved to me. I want to see how Buffalo's defense handles Derrick Henry. Last week, they were able to contain Patrick Mahomes. So you might be thinking if they were able to contain Patrick Mahomes, sure enough, they'll be able to stop Derrick Henry. To that, I say, not so fast, as Lee Corso would say. Not so fast. Why? Because this team was built, this defense was built to beat the Chiefs who have a pass-happy attack, not a run-heavy attack like the Titans. Their rushers on the defensive line are built to rush the pass, uh, rush the quarterback. Uh, They are built on the back end specifically to stop the deep ball with Tredavious White at cornerback and Micah Hyde at safety. That is what they're designed to do. They're not designed to tackle a Derrick Henry, a six foot three, two hundred and I what I think two hundred twenty to thirty, maybe two forty, a pound monster. Derrick Henry, he knows what happened last year. He knows the defense is going to try to go all out to stop him, which is a smart bet. This offensive line has been more fragile this year. A uh, ton of sacks. I believe Ryan Tannehill has been sacked. Uh, the most so far this season at around 20, which is uh, stupid, ridiculous. Uh, so the bulk of the load is going to Derrick Henry. But Ryan Tannehill, to me, in this system, even though he's been sacked a ton, has thrown more interceptions than Josh Allen, thrown less touchdowns. His completion percentage is higher than Josh Allen, and he's only 100 yards below his passing uh, numbers as well. So he's still been efficient. Julio Jones is scheduled to return tonight. A.J. Brown. So they get Bim back. Uh, pair that with Derrick Henry as well. This will open up the offense. I like Derrick Henry to run on this defense. They were able to contain Patrick Mahomes last week in this offense. I will give them that. This is a different story. 
in Tennessee. This is a man you have to deal with. I believe Terry Henry will run wild. Do I think there'll be any meme-worthy flashbacks of this game and Derrick Henry stiff-arming somebody? No, I don't believe so. But Derrick Henry will rush for over 100 yards. He will be used, uh, utilized heavily in this game plan. The play action uh, will open up into A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, which is when Ryan Tannehill does his best. But this offensive line, this Tennessee offensive line, has to be able to pass protect, give Ryan Tannehill some time to throw the ball. Uh, he can't be under duress the way Patrick Mahomes was under duress last week. But I expect Buffalo to compete. Last year was a blowout. I think it was 42-20, 42-16 Tennessee. Uh, Buffalo's offense has been trending to the moon lately by Josh Allen. This offense, Stephon Diggs, the emergence of Emmanuel Sanders back in this offense. I expect them to score points and compete. I do. However, Tennessee Titans, I believe, will win this game. I'm rolling with Tennessee. I need it. Need Derrick Henry to have a big game, not just for fantasy-wise. I think he will have a big game just for that. Two, he will deliver. Tennessee Titans will deliver like them in this game. Now moving on to some of the week six highlights from this past weekend. I'm going to start with a Sunday night game. That was last night. The Seattle Seahawks and the Pittsburgh Steelers. What a game. I'm going to be completely honest with you all. I watched the first half. Atrocious first half offensively by Seattle. It was so bad. It was pathetic. It was very, very hard to watch. Geno and his offense muster nothing. But Pittsburgh offense wasn't special as well. They didn't do anything that uh, stood out to me. But still, they went in with, to me, a sizable 14-0 lead at halftime just because the Seahawks looked so inept at offense. So what did I do the second half? Well, I said, I can't have this. This is depressing to watch. A team I enjoy watching. And with Geno, it's just a shell of their former selves. So what do I do? Watch Free Guy. Great movie. And that takes up the second half. And I turn on the game expecting it to be over. And Seattle has a chance to kick the game-tying field goal to send it into overtime. Jason Myers does it. So they're recapping the game up until uh, this point. And TJ Watt, sensational all game long. However, you know, Pittsburgh offense kind of stalled in that second half, which allowed them to come back. Some great drives by Geno Smith, running by Alex Collins as well. Uh, Massive hurdle by Najee Harris. Uh, Some things I want to note before I get into the last overtime debacle is this. One, uh, Jamal Adams, I have said this before, and Jamal Adams... Put a target on his head last night. Uh, the intros into the Sunday night football, uh, you know, you get to choose, you know, what you say. Most people choose uh, the college that they went to. However, when it got to Jamal Adams, he said, best in the nation. Why would he say such a thing? He is not the best safety in the nation. He's not the best defensive player in the nation. I don't care that he's paid the highest as a safety is in the National Football League. He's not deserving of it. He's not a top five safety to me. He's had zero interceptions since coming over from the Jets last year. Yes, he had a record sacks for a defensive back last year, uh, but zero interceptions. And he had a chance to get one last night. Air, uh, air ball thrown by... Uh, What's his name? Ben Roethlisberger. And Jamal Adams has a lock on the ball and hits him right in the head. Right in the head. Hands not even up, not even around. I don't know if he knows how to catch a football. I don't know if he does. It's he tried to catch it with his head last night. It was it was surprising. And he's he's got a visor on, so it doinks right off his helmet. I mean I've been saying this for a while now. I never liked the trade to begin with. Uh, 
I feel you don't need a Jamal Adams. You can you should trade him for a legitimate edge rusher or a uh, cornerback, which they desperately need. Uh, very evident through these uh, past uh, six games in this season to start off. Jamal Adams, he needs to go away. He needs to go. So I'll mention it. In the overtime, uh, I don't know why Mike Tomlin was so upset. Because let's say they never review the interception. Uh, They never review it. You know, they get down. And Geno Smith spikes it with a a second left. So that would be real time. However, it gets reviewed. There's three seconds. Uh, So again, Mike Tomlin... It doesn't matter. You still won the game. Then we get into overtime. Seattle wins a toss. You know, great throw by Lockett. They're near midfield. T.J. Watt sacks Geno Smith on the third down. It's third and four. You could have ran it with Alex Collins. You could have done some pass, but he holds on to the ball so long. And the whole night, his pocket presence is terrible. Uh, he's not aware of the people coming to get him. You even have Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers, who are the most mobile quarterbacks. But they can feel when pressure's kicking in. They have sort of a sixth sense. Geno Smith does not have that. Uh, he took too many sacks last night. One too many sacks. Five of them in total. So you pump the ball off to Pittsburgh. You stop them. And then you get the ball back. And, you know, time's running down. And so let's get into field goal territory. And Geno Smith fumbles the bag. Fumbles the ball. Uh, tries to run up the field after, you know, they triple-team T.J. Watt. He breaks out of that, forces the fumble on Geno Smith when he's trying to tuck it in. Too loose with the ball. Uh, the, C- the Pittsburgh Steelers have it at, I believe, around their 15-20. Then they kick the game-winning field goal and win the game. Geno Smith, uh, you need to leave, too. That is two weeks in a row that a critical turnover by you cost the Seahawks this game. Last week, it was the interception against the Rams when you're trying to win the game, you know, with uh, not a lot of time left in the fourth quarter, you throw an interception. This week, you're trying to win the game in overtime. Guess what? Fumbles the ball, leads to a loss. Last year, the Seahawks were getting the opposite. They were getting these breaks. They were winning these close games. This year, however, they're losing these close games. They've already lost two games in overtime, one to the Titans, one to the Seahawks, or one to the Steelers. Uh, they lost another one because of a blown uh, second half lead, which was the Titans, but then also the Vikings, and then the Rams because of the interception Geno Smith threw at the end in relief for Russell Wilson. So turnovers are killing this team. Of course, the defense is atrocious as well, but they held... Uh, Pittsburgh, you know, to just around 220 yards of passing offense. To me, Ben Roethlisberger didn't look that potent. It didn't look that great at all, kind of dinking and dunking to Najee Harris and some of their words, huge shots. Najee Harris was great to me, his best game so far in the league. Uh, great work uh, by him, but the carelessness by... Geno Smith, the sacks, the fumble lost, killed the Seahawks last night. Now I look at the Seahawks, and can they still make the playoffs? Yes, it's very possible. There's seven teams. Uh, You have quite a few teams at 3-3. They're sitting at 2-4, which is actually uh, third to last in the division. They're only above the Giants and the Lions. But still, teams ahead of them, I'm not confident in the Eagles, the football team, the Falcons, the 49ers, the Panthers, the Bears, Vikings, and things like that. Of course, Vikings on the tiebreaker. But still, if they get Russell Wilson back and they're within striking distance of the seventh seed, I can still see it. However, Geno Smith needs to stop the turnovers. This is a game they could have and should have won. However, you don't get points for that. Big loss last night for them. Cowboys and Patriots. What another thrilling game. Another game that went into overtime. Crazy uh, couple final minutes there. 
And really, just the whole game, you have the Patriots really doing well, even though the Cowboys dominating. Uh, New England has a lead 14-10. to 10. You're trying to go into halftime with the lead the Cowboys are. Dak Prescott at the goal line fumbles the ball before he can reach across to get the touchdown after a few stuffs by this Patriots defense. He does that. Doesn't look good. Then they take a 20-14 to 14 lead, and it's just back and forth. Uh, from there, the Patriots get a touchdown to take it back. Then a pick six by Trevon Diggs, who now has seven, who's been brilliant this year, just a ball-hawking cornerback uh, that's been poaching around. He's been great. Then next play later, Kendrick Bourne, 75-yard touchdown pass from Mac Jones. Then a field goal made by Greg Zerline to then uh, tie the game and force it into overtime. Then a touchdown pass by Dak Prescott. What a game by a team, the Dallas Cowboys, who have not had any success against the Patriots under Bill Belichick, had themselves a day. Nearly 600 yards of total offense, 567, uh, 445 passing yards, 122 uh, rushing yards, a game where they threw more than they pass and look at. The past four games or so, uh, they uh, have been running more than passing and it's been dominant. This game, they passed, and you see how close it is when they pass more than they run. But the Cowboys won. They're 5-1, and one, and to me, they're locked. There should be a little uh, X next to their name in the division that says they've clinched, or a Y that says they've clinched their division already. That's how confident I'm in the Cowboys that the division race is over. The Cowboys have ran away with it. New England is still a team that's good, but they're still trying to get over the edge, back into it, uh, without Brady now. Las Vegas and Denver, emotional win for the Las Vegas Raiders after John Gruden ousted as the head coach. How would this Vegas team respond? Well, they responded quite well uh, to say the least. Picked off Teddy Bridgewater three times. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater cannot be turning the ball over that much. They had four total turnovers with three interceptions and a fumble lost. So again, he can't be doing that. Teddy Bridgewater, four turnovers, the three interceptions and the one fumble. Took five sacks even though he had 334 yards, this was not a clean game by any stretch of the imagination. A team that started off 3-0, and now 3-3. and This was a pivotal game between two 3-2 and teams. Las Vegas gets the crucial win here to essentially be in a tie with the Chargers, even though the Chargers have the tiebreak. Big win by the Las Vegas Raiders. Derek Carr, 341 yards. You could tell this was a game that was sort of driving him, wanted to make plays, got it to his playmakers, and Henry Ruggs uh, spread the wealth around. Nobody had more than five uh, receptions, which was Darren Waller. Uh, nobody had more than five targets. Again, Darren Waller. Derek Carr really uh, spread the ball around. Uh, was a great team win as well. Uh, you know, Denver Broncos stayed pace with them all game long, had more first downs. Uh, had around the same amount of yards, 421 to 426, ran 25 more plays. It was just the turnovers that killed them. You can't turn the ball over four times and expect to win a football game. Teddy Bridgewater has to do a better job. Then Arizona and Cleveland. This is one where I will eat what I said. Uh, I won't play my broadcast back that I talked about on Friday, but this was a game I was most open about, uh, most vocal about in saying that no way Baker's going to lose this game to uh, Kyler Murray. He's going to send him out uh, like the kids in his progressive commercial where they're trick-or-treating. He's going to hand him his own bag of nachos and send Kyler on his way, and boy, was I wrong. I was right about a lot of other picks that I made, but not That one, of course, the one I was most vocal about. Not a good one. The most impressive play by Cleveland was the Hail Mary at the end of the game 
where Bank Baker lodged it like 65 yards uh, to the end zone. Donovan Peoples-Jones caught it. Poor defense by Arizona on that play. But that was the only thing Cleveland got. So, you know, it's 23-14 going into half, and they do nothing after that the rest of the game. Baker, you know, with his little non-throwing uh, shoulder injury aggravated that. Kareem Hunt got tripped up and will be out, you know, three weeks. Kyler only 229 yards but threw for four touchdowns. Very efficient performance. This defense uh, for the Cardinals really stepped up in the second half. You know, the best rushing team, the Cleveland Browns, who averaged around 187 yards total. They only got 73 from Kareem Hunt. Uh, I know he was being binged up by that ankle injury, but still, uh, Nick Chubb is the best running back on this team. Again, turnovers as well hurt the Cleveland Browns. You can't expect to win games when you play sloppy. Baker Mayfield with an interception, lost two fumbles. Inexplicable. He can't do that. I expect more from Baker. You know, Geno Smith can do it. He's a backup. Teddy Bridgewater, a glorified backup. But Baker Mayfield looking for a big contract, the leader of a Browns franchise, in a critical Crucial game. You cannot be coughing the ball up that much. That's those are inexcusable uh, by Baker Mayfield. I hold Baker to a higher standard. Uh, I've seen flashes of greatness from him in the NFL. He's a good quarterback, but he cannot be doing that. Another thing I don't like is the connection between him and Odell Beckham. I never see them in sync. I see everybody else with Baker and Seek. I see Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz, uh, Jarvis Landry, and Joku. But Odell Beckham, I never see him fully in sync with Cleveland. I think Odell has to go. I think it would be beneficial for both the Browns and for Odell to have a mutual party. You know, be traded for Odell to kind of kickstart Baker and this, and it never seem to happen or have the results they hoped for. Uh, so I think trading Odell would be in the best interest of both Odell and the Browns. But I'll give my hats off to the Cardinals. They're 6-0. I'm not totally buying into them yet. I think they're a good team, good offense, good defense. Faced you know a couple of tough tests now. But to me, the toughest is yet to come have the Rams another time, have the Packers coming up, uh, the Cowboys as well. I want to see how this Cardinals team uh, faces, you know, tougher stretches throughout the season. But I'll tip my hats off to them and to Kyler. They're 6-0, and only team in the NFL so far with that record. Hats off to them. The Chargers and the Ravens, another one. You know, after two emotional performances last week, uh, Justin Herbert and his against the uh, Cleveland Browns in a shootout. And then you had Baltimore come back against the uh, Colts, and you had both of them riding on a high. I was expecting a shootout. That was the opposite of what happened. This was a defensive masterpiece uh, by John Harbaugh, uh, who's just shut down. Justin Herbert shut down the Chargers offense at all. It was rough, rough sledding out there. Austin Eckler, six carries for seven yards. That's 1.2 yards a carry. That's not good. Justin Herbert was the leading rusher. Two carries, 12 yards. They shut down the rushing attack. Justin Herbert only threw for 195 yards. Again, they shut down. The pass as well only mustered 200 yards in the whole game. Big, big performance by the Baltimore defense. And then after, you know, Lamar's, to me, his greatest game against the Colts. Uh, this, to me, definitely was not his best passing game uh, after the one he had last week. Threw for 167 yards, but took a few big sacks, three of them. I turned the ball over a few times, two interceptions, a little careless as well, uh, he needs to clean that up. But the rushing game, which fuels this Ravens attack, the vintage Ravens was on display. Kind of the one, the opposite of what happened last week was on, where 
They rushed for 187 yards yesterday. Dominant performance by the rushing uh, committee that they had, led by Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman uh, yesterday. Both were sensational. Lamar Jackson was good. Le'Veon Bell got in there. Uh, But this was a running attack, and they just ran it down the throats of the Chargers. Minnesota and Carolina. Minnesota, huge win. Carolina now 3-3 after the 3-0 start. Three straight losses. uh, All losses without McCaffrey being in the game, not starting in the lineup. See how big that is. And uh, Vikings, you know, a good offensive team. Not good on defense, but, you know, this is one who might be able to compete for a playoff spot. At least, to me, they're battling for second place in the division. They're battling between the Chicago Bears. It's either going to be the Vikings or the Bears. Maybe one of them will make the playoffs, uh, depending on what I've seen now from the NFC West teams and from the teams in the NFC in general. Kansas City and the Washington football team. Very, very Sloppy performance in the first half uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs. They were down 13-10 to 10 at halftime. Uh, I thought, my lord, they better not lose again. They better not lose again. And then they scored 21 unanswered points in the second half. To end is a route, even though the first half was not even close to that way. I said Patrick Mahomes wouldn't throw one interception. Wrong about that. He threw two interceptions. I think he's up to eight interceptions already for the year, and he's only played six games. Uh, I don't like the trajectory of his interception numbers at all. Uh, a rushing attack, you know, was all right with Daryl Williams, no Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill will always be the focal point of this offense. But Washington, you know, is not an offensive team. This defense for the Kansas City. Uh, Chiefs is still bad. You know, Patrick Mahomes still looking to play hero ball, looking to just bail out the defense and score so many points at one time uh, so that they can always have the lead uh, going in. I don't know how that will fare moving forward. We've seen it against the Ravens and the Bills and losses. Uh, They were able to pull off because Washington, not a good football team, uh, pun intended, uh, but Kansas City, 500 yards of offense, uh, passing 390, rushing 110, a very uh, better bounce-back performance, but this is something I want to see them build off of. And next week, they play the Titans. I want to see how the Titans especially look tonight, but that could be another upset prime for Kansas City. Uh, you know, they have a tough schedule coming up. They have the Titans, they have the Packers, the Cowboys, uh, you know, the Broncos, Raiders, the Chargers, all back-to-back-to-back. So uh, I want to see from this Chiefs team uh, really a defensive performance and turnovers not haunting Patrick Mahomes. L.A. Rams and the New York Giants didn't expect much of a Giants, and this was kind of the game I expected from these two teams. The Rams dominated 38-11, to 11. the defense helped out uh, the offense a lot by forcing four turnovers. wasn't clean in, you know, the first quarter where it was 3-0 the Giants, but all those turnovers helped as, you know, they scored uh, 38 unanswered points. It wasn't the cleanest game, uh, but still very efficient uh, day in the workshop. You know, Matthew Stafford, Daryl Henderson facing a very, very poor New York Giant team. Houston and Indianapolis, another one I figured wouldn't be in sync. Indianapolis upset after the loss they kind of gave away last week. Carson Wentz was efficient down the stretch. Jonathan Taylor just balling, ran down the field there. 14 carries, 145 yards average, you know, 10 yards a carry, two touchdowns. He was brilliant, ran all over the Texans. Uh, Texans are hopeless at this point. Uh Depending on the outcome of the Titans game tonight, we could still have a division uh, between the Colts and the Titans. 
Cincinnati and Detroit. Another game I did not expect to be close. And another one that didn't disappoint. Joe Burrow stayed hot against the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions are now 0 for 6. Uh, first time starting that way since the 08 season where they went 0-16. Uh, Dan Campbell knew about that. He was associated with that team. He's asked Jared Koff to be better. I believe he does. However, as I said before the season, he has no weapons to throw to. He doesn't have you know a lot of receivers that can create separation. He doesn't have deep threats at all. He kind of just has a security blanket and TJ Hawkinson and kind of dinking the ball down uh, to DeAndre Swift. But Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, that connection is still amazing considering how early this is, only six games into this uh, connection into the NFL, and it's already great. Green Bay and Chicago, you know, I said on my podcast last week that Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears, he owns the division, and we must have been thinking along the same lines. Because that's exactly what Aaron Rodgers said after a rushing touchdown he had. Taunts the Bears fans after the touchdown saying, I still own you. I own you. That is the case. Was it his best game? No, didn't even throw for 200 yards. Uh, This offense didn't even reach 300 yards. Uh, Justin Fields stayed competitive with this group. It was a close game. It was, you know, 20 or was 17 to 14. Uh, for a while there before that, you know, six-yard run and outburst by uh, Aaron Rodgers. So, yes, Aaron Rodgers beat the Bears, not in the most dominating of fashions we have seen, though. But, yes, Aaron Rodgers, you still own the Chicago Bears and the NFC North for that sake. Then Miami and Jacksonville. London game Jacksonville. Riding its 20-game losing streak, and they ended it in London. What a game. They beat the Dolphins on a 53-yard field goal to end it. Uh, Questionable fourth down call where Urban Meyer goes for it. A ton of people going for it. You know, we saw Cleveland do it uh, this past game as well when they're down in field goal range. Uh, But again, kickers are also missing kicks. There's been a few of the Greg Zerline as well where... Maybe you do go for it. It's now this 50-50 battle. Teams are going for it more. In the end, didn't come back to haunt Jacksonville. They got their first win uh, in almost a year and a half. Great win by Jacksonville. Hopefully uh, this will help out Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence moving forward. Now moving on to the NBA. Tonight, or tomorrow night, two games on. The Nets and the Bucks rematch of the semifinal matchup from last year where the Bucks won in seven games. Vintage series from both Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo. NBA back, no Kyrie Irving uh, for that game as he hasn't been practicing. We'll see how they deal uh, with that. James Harden will be healthy. Uh, Kevin Durant won't be playing, you know, 48 minutes as he was in that past series. We'll see if there's a championship hangover in this first game from the Bucks and Giannis and company. I don't believe so. I believe they'll be back. You know, this is a team that hasn't been talked about in the offseason. They won the NBA championship, and somehow they've been talked to me or talked about the least. We've been talking about the Los Angeles Lakers and their three. Brooklyn Nets have been bogging down the news, especially in terms of Kyrie Irving. Ben Simmons, the same way, uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers talking about them. Uh, the Warriors, of course, uh, Suns and their moves resigning, haven't focused on the Bucks. Not even the favorite. People not even viewing them as a top team. Kind of brushed under the rug again. I think this will help and fuel Giannis and the Nets, and I think they'll have a resounding first win against the Brooklyn Nets. Then you have the Warriors and Lakers. Uh, a lot of people talking about the Lakers not winning a preseason game, going 0 for 6, 0 for turnovers, 0 for shooting. 
We'll see how it fares when the season opens. I believe they still have work to do chemistry-wise between LeBron and AD and uh, Westbrook. But I believe they'll get it figured out. I believe tomorrow will be close. Uh, to me, LeBron and the Lakers have kind of had the Warriors number the past few seasons majority-wise. Uh, other than a couple of times, but I think the Lakers will come out and win this game. I believe it will be close. Big game, Steph Curry opening night, another big game from him. But I like the Lakers to win that game. But who are my top five teams going into the NBA season? Number five, the Utah Jazz. Why? Well, simply put, they were the best overall team uh, last year. Lost in six games in the semifinals. Uh, two V uh, Clippers lost four in a row, two of those without uh, Kawhi Leonard. However, they bring, uh, they're bringing back uh, their stars, Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year, Donovan Mitchell, MVP candidate, Mike Conley, who's terrific. And to me, the big thing is some of the additions that they made by signing a Rudy Gay so that they can play a small ball lineup. We saw last year in the playoffs that Rudy Gobert cannot play in a small ball lineup. He gets exposed, turns into a statue, can't make plays defensively on the perimeter. Uh, so they addressed that to play the small ball. Uh, I think that will help out the Utah Jazz moving forward. Number four, the Phoenix Suns. Why? Well, they brought the whole game back together, a team that just won a championship. Of course, they had a nice run dealing with injuries uh, to every team that they faced in the playoffs, not being at full strength. But nonetheless, i got to give them credit. Chris Paul was the masterpiece, the maestro for this offense. Uh, Devin Booker took a next step. I still believe he has to take another step for them to go back there if the other teams are healthy. But they signed the Mikhail Bridges. They traded for a shooter in Landry Shamit. They have DeAndre Eaton as well. This should still be a good team. Number three, the Los Angeles Lakers. Why? Well, after a disappointing first-round playoff exit, the first in LeBron James' career, What do they do? They make a trade and trade KCP, Kyle Kuzma, draft pick to the Wizards for Russell Westbrook, trying to get them back to the championship level, knowing LeBron only has a few years left. I think this will work out for the majority of this season. I don't know if I love it down till the end and seeing in the playoffs, but I think regular season with that big three, that is stacked right there. Number two, the Brooklyn Nets. They'd be number one, but knowing what I know about Kyrie and him possibly not playing this year, you still have, to me, two top five players in James Harden and Kevin Durant. Great offensively, have good depth as well. Uh, got better with the Patty Mills, Aldridge returning. You still got Joe Harris. To me, it's going to be this defense defensively. They have to play better. Last year, they were terrible at it. They were. Uh, we're going to have to do better this year. No Kyrie Irving. That hurts them a little more offensively, makes them more mortal. But I still think this is a great team. But number one is the Bucks. They're reigning. They're defending champions. They've returned their guys. They've returned their big three. Giannis, uh, Drew Holiday, uh, Chris Middleton, Brooks Lopez, Bobby Portis. They're all back. Dante DiVincenzo's back healthy. Uh, they traded for Grayson Allen, another depth piece as well. They are the favorite to me to come out of the East, the Milwaukee Bucks. They are the best team. They won it. They have Giannis, uh, who's great offensively and defensively, a great player, efficient rating as well. Can't get better than the Bucks team so far. Coach Budenholzer reminds me of Bruce Arians, where he's this uninspiring guy just there on the bench. But he lets the players play and do their job. And Milwaukee Bucks won a championship with that. With that being said, my MVP pick is Giannis. He will win his third, his third and fourth years. He is dominant. Uh, You have the Nets, you know, who the KD greatness, James Harden greatness are kind of overshadowing. Lakers in the big three as well. You know, you could throw in a Luka or a Damian Lillard. But I just think... The infatuation with Giannis, he'll be great this season going forward for them. My finals matchup, the Bucks and the Lakers. Why? To me, if the Bucks are healthy and the Nets are healthy, no Kyrie Irving, 
the Bucks can do it to the Nets again, what they did last year in another seven-game series. The Lakers, because not only do they have the stars, but they have the depth. Uh, they have Melo. Uh, they got DeAndre Jordan. They got Dwight Howard back. They got Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk. Uh, none. They have nice veteran pieces and depth to stay healthy, to rotate, uh, maybe not even get the number one seed, but just kind of cruise to get into the playoffs healthy. Uh, you might have some other teams, but at the end, the Lakers will be better, led by LeBron. Moving on. The Phoenix Suns and Mikhail Bridges uh, had a contract extension, four years, $90 million again, on par with the... Uh, Extension for Chris Paul, of course, $30 million less, but still a key piece in that uh, run, and they wanted to get him back, so good for them, and they still have work to do with DeAndre Ayton and Landry Shamit. Also, uh, Malcolm Brogdon got a two-year $45 million extension from the Pacers. Congratulations to him as well. Now moving on to college football, this was my worst week of college football picks. My first losing record of college football picks. I picked the UFC up, UCF upset. Still not in love with Cincinnati at all. They have one tough game remaining on their schedule, SMU. Uh, I was impressed, but I'm still not in love with this team. Michigan State, I duked it out over Indiana. Sloppy performance by both teams. Uh, but the defense to, for Michigan State rose to the occasion. A 7-0 going undefeated into a matchup with Michigan in two weeks. Have the bye week this upcoming. Oklahoma State and Texas. Does Texas, can Texas ever just win a game uh, that they have a nice, sizable lead on? Uh, I mean, they're up 17-3. to Then they're up 24-13. to And they don't score after that. Uh, Oklahoma State scores 16 unanswered points. Uh, to win 32-24. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, you need to learn to close games, is the head coach of his team. Bad performance. Auburn and Arkansas. I actually thought Arkansas would rebound, but the fraudulent team that is Arkansas keeps proving me right that they're bad. Uh, lost that game as well, 38-23. to Kentucky-Georgia thought, you know, Kentucky was no match for Georgia. That was the case. Uh, Georgia blew them out. You know, it was 30-7 to until a uh, late second touchdown by Kentucky with, you know, no time left. Upset of the week, though, was Purdue and Iowa. Purdue won 24-7. to Iowa never had the lead. It was tied 1-7-7. But after that, Purdue, 24-7 lead. It was over. A dominant Petrus, four interceptions. You can't do that. You can't be the number two team and do that. You can't be the number two team at home and do that against Purdue. I mean, just sloppy, just bad. Kirk Ferentz said his team wasn't the number two team. Well, I don't know if that was, you know, trying to jinx him to getting them to win, but maybe you just jinxed yourself because you lost. And it did not look good at all in the process of doing so. Now, they're sort of tied with you. Purdue wins another game uh, this week because you have your bye. Then guess what? They leapfrog you because they own the division win over you. Big loss for Iowa moving forward. To me, it kind of eliminates them from the playoff contention unless they run the table now and finish 12-1 and with the Big Ten Championship, which seems unlikely. BYU-Baylor. BYU, another fraudulent team that lost last week to Boise State, lost again this week to a Baylor team, who again is underrated 6-1, good win by them. Oklahoma won. Caleb Williams looks like the better quarterback moving forward than Spencer Rattler, which is insane. Never thought I'd say that, but Caleb Williams is a man compared to Spencer Rattler. Ole Miss won him in Arizona State. Disappointed me to say the least. You're up 21 to seven and a half. You're in control of this game, and you don't score any more points after that. You don't even look like the first half team that you are. You let them score 28 unanswered points, two touchdowns in the third, two in the fourth to lose 35 21. 
you were up, you looked so good, and in the end, you know, that second half made you look non-competitive. Very bad win. Uh, hurts the Pac-12 as well. And then more chaos, you know, now you have Utah, ASU, both with two losses. Utah now with a division lead because they haven't lost one in the division. But again, all bad for the Pac-12 moving forward. Coach O is also going to leave. He had a great run. To me, he really did. Uh, two years ago, took LSU to the national championship with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. You know, they still have a you know great recruiting class, always recruit great, but it might be in time for a change of leadership after a great win against Florida. He will not return next season. Now I'm going to give my reaction to the AP poll. Cincinnati does not look like the number two team with Caleb Williams. Oklahoma looks like a true uh, number two. I like how Michigan passed Penn State. Penn State on a bye Michigan. But Penn State still has that loss uh, on their schedule. Oklahoma State moved up against Michigan State. I'm fine with that considering the teams they beat and in the fashion instead of Michigan State eking out the wins. Iowa dropping nine spots huge but respectable because of of the loss to Purdue. Now I'm going to give you my top five teams in the nation for college football. And number five was hard. It was because I'm bouncing back and forth between Ohio State and Michigan. Who do I rank here? Michigan's my team, but I'm going to have to go with Ohio State because they've won more convincingly the past few weeks. I know after a bye, but i got to give Ohio State uh, the fifth spot, they've looked good. C.J. Stroud has looked good in conference play so far. Number four, Cincinnati. I'm not in love with Cincinnati. Yes, they're undefeated. Yes, they're 6-0, and but I'm not in love with it. I'm not. You pair Alabama, Oklahoma right now, Georgia. I believe you get a Cincinnati loss. It would be competitive against Ohio State, Michigan. But Cincinnati is not a team I'm in love with. I think Desmond Ritter's good. I think Luke Fickle's a good coach, but still... Not in love with this team that's from the outside Power 5 group. Number uh, 3, Alabama. Looked much better. To me, this offense has been clicking all year long. It was a lot of defensive miscues and communication against the Texas A&M loss. But Alabama is still a threat. Nick Saban, Bryce Young have been great. Number 2, Oklahoma. Looks like they flipped a switch. Uh on this on the season now with Caleb Williams at quarterback, I uh, looked at a team that you know looks like it could have had two losses, you know, up and coming. Now they look like the prohibitive favorite. They'll have tough games against Iowa State, Baylor, Oklahoma State. But with Caleb Williams, looks like they have a better shot moving forward. Number one, Georgia, no contest here. Uh, Bennett has been great filling in for JT Daniels. This defense is legit, best defense. In college football, carrying this team, but it's been playing very complimentary with the offense moving forward. I've got to give it to Kirby Smart in Georgia for another great season, but they've had great seasons like this in the past. It's now predicated on how they will finish it moving forward. So those are my top five teams Michigan, I mean, Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, and Georgia. Now moving on to some MLB craziness in the land of baseball. Braves are up 2-0, but is it sustainable? They were up 2-0 last year, and the Dodgers came back and beat them. Uh, to me, these wins aren't convincing. Both of them have been walk-off hits in the ninth inning because they've had home field advantage because they're a division winner. I'm still picking the Dodgers. I'd love to see the Braves win this series. I would because I have three of the four. The three worst teams of the four spots that are playing right now. But I just don't know if it's sustainable. It's big because they beat a bullpen game. They beat Max Scherzer yesterday, which helps now they only need two more. Of course, they'll face those guys again one more time, depending on how this series goes. But Braves have to feel good about them, especially getting no production from Freddie Freeman, their MVP. It's been Austin Riley and Swanson and Albies so far. Tonight, Astros-Red Sox Game 3, series at 1-1. We're going to Fenway. I picked Houston to win this series. I'll pick Houston uh, to win 
this game. I don't think uh, Jose Uquirdi will be giving up uh, back-to-back grand slams, you know, the first inning and the second inning, like the previous pitcher and the previous Astros team did. I do not see that. I think the Astros will win this game tonight. Rangers and Maple Leafs. I'm going with the Rangers in the NHL. That was a fast uh, transition uh, to the NHL. But New York Rangers, Toronto Maple Leafs, you have four games on. That's the game I'm picking as the most entertaining. An Eastern Conference battle, Austin Matthews, uh, Mika Zibanejad, uh, two high firepower offense. One, one and one Rangers, two and one for Toronto. Uh, to me, this is the best matchup of the day. I like the Rangers in that game. And then finally, college basketball. I'm just going to react to the AP poll uh, that came out uh, today. And Gonzaga is the number one favorite. I agree with. Uh, they brought quite a few talent back. Mark Few is head coach. UCLA, same thing. Johnny Juzang coming back. McCronin at coach will have his team in order. You know, a great game between Gonzaga and UCLA last year. Then you have your Blue Buds, Kansas, Villanova. Uh, Texas, who's been good at rounding out the top five. I like Michigan at six. They've lost some pieces. Uh, but with Juwan Howard and the recruiting class that they brought in, I'm sure they will do it. But you'll also have Duke, Kentucky in the top ten. Baylor, who won it all. So I am totally fine with this AP poll. To me, the only surprising thing I see is no Michigan State in there. Uh, that is the only surprising thing you know. I saw. I'm fine with Arizona not being in there considering the state of that program as of lately. Uh, but Michigan State, I think, you know, should be higher ranked than not ranked at all. That's my only plight. But still, I am ready for college basketball coming up next month. Next month, be talking about more of that next month as well. So there you go, everybody. This has been Get Your Go. Tonight, Bills, Titans, Monday Night Football. Who do you got? I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.